You are locked on. Hello and welcome to a special multi-part, multi-person edition of Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host Howard Magdal. Reminding you, you can follow us on Twitter at Summit Hoops Two T's in honor of Pat. Go ahead and download our app as well, either on iOS or on the Google Store. And make sure you follow every one of our writers. We have people fanned out across the country covering this lead in a way that, quite frankly, no one else is. And I am really excited, not just because of the technology aspect of it either, or the fact that I figured out multi-person Skype, but because I have three of our very best writers here, Brendan Clean, Ben Dahl, Lindsay Gibbs. Thank you all for being here, and we have a lot to get to. So the place I want to start WNBA, Conference Finals, Mystics versus Lynx. Lindsay, we're going to start with you. I want you to make the case for the Mystics, who did lose three games, all three games this year, to the Lynx, as an upset possibility. I've got it. I've got this. All right. So the Mystics felt more positive than I have seen them after any loss this year, after their loss to the Lynx at the end of the season. They lost the Lynx the very final game of the season. But they felt like they figured something out in that game. Uh, Deladon returned from injury, from her finger injury, with, I believe, five games left to go. And it was a rough. They lost four out of five of those games. But they really started to finally find their grit and their balance late. Um, and what was, what's been really exciting is to see, first of all, on defense, you've had Tara Rufin-Pratt, who is really underrated as a defender and just as a presence in this league. She and Crystal Thomas have really set the tone. They are taking over games with their abilities, um, Crystal under the, the basket, and Tiara just literally all over the court. Um, Elena Daladon and Emma Meesman are finding chemistry that they've been searching for all season. Of course, it's been tough. Uh, Emma was in Belgium for a month, and Elena's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, but what you're seeing is them finding chemistry. Although I will say Emma's been struggling, and, and my, my flagship of this is Emma's off, and I don't know what's wrong with her, but there's something... There's, there's something off there, um, but I don't know what. <laughs> so. so let me ask you about a couple of those things, because the, the two that stand out the most to me so far are uh, Crystal Thomas, first of all, and the fact that her evolution over the course of the even just this season has been remarkable to me. I went back and oh. looked, how did she do against Sylvia Fowles? And the first two times Sylvia Fowles faced her, she shot 8 for 10 from the field and 10 for 15 from the field. And there's no shame in that for anyone. Sylvia Fowles has been dominant all year. But she really held her in check the third time around. She's grabbing rebounds at a rate that really no Mystics player has, certainly not in the postseason, in the history of the franchise. And so... What have you seen from her that you think has turned her into this level of defensive player? Because the offense was really what we thought would be the given for the Mystics coming into the season. I say Crystal Thomas has changed the entire trajectory of this team. Uh, she was brought in really as a bench player, and I think with the thought that she would fill some holes while Emma was in Belgium, and that would kind of be it. When Emma got back, she would probably be back to the bench. They'd have their three guards set. You know, they'd have Emma and Elena on the on the 
court with probably Taylor and Christy and Tierra. And that was the starting five that they had in mind for the season. That was their goal. But Crystal was so good in those early games, allowing the Mystics to stay towards the top of the league while Emma was overseas. And she just really started developing. You saw it game by game that she was developing into a, a star. What you hear from everyone about Crystal is that she has been a vocal locker room leader her entire career. She is the one who is inspiring everyone, who is really keeping everyone in check, who is making sure that nobody is giving excuses. She was the oldest of a lot of siblings, and they had a really rough childhood, and she learned from an early age how to keep a bunch of people in line. And and Coach Tebot says that that's one of the reasons he brought her in. She hadn't been a starter in the league in like four years. <laughs> but he brought her in for that locker room presence. And that, throughout the season, has just developed into her really coming into her own on the court as well. So you talked about Emma, and What's striking to me when you look at her numbers, it's an atypical year for her, like you said, with her being overseas and having that interrupted and taking time to get into the new flow. But she shot 31.8% from three this year. She was well over 44% last year, led the lead, actually, in three-point percentage. And Christy Tolliver as well, 33.8% this year. She was, if memory serves, around 42% last year playing in Los Angeles. All of that suggests to me not that they are uh, flawed three-point shooters, but that we're talking about, look, a small sample size, 25, 30 games, and that there's every reason to believe that Washington is a much better shooting team than they've seemed to be. Now, Coach Mike Tebow talked about this even at the end of the first quarter. They had missed all seven of the threes against New York, and he said, we're getting those open shots, and those are the shots we want to fall. Then they started falling. Is it your... Your belief, based on just seeing them in person, seeing the way the offense is spaced, seeing the way they are operating, that this is a team about to go on an offensive roll. You know, it is. And I mean, I haven't said the name Christy Tolliver yet, but uh, I, I must say the name Christy Tolliver. She's another... Huh? She had, a, she had an okay game in, uh, in, in Madison Square Garden. I don't know if you saw, but... You know, it's so funny because I remember her, and I've been hard on Christy, uh, especially late in the season. She has struggled to figure out what her role is. She's not a kind of natural point guard pushing the ball up and down the court. She's a shooter, you know, and yet she was thrust into this ball handling role, and she didn't, she she wasn't great all year. And like you said, her, her three-point numbers were down. She was in a shooting slump for a lot of the year. There were some possessions where you would just go, what are you doing? <laughs> they looked really bad, but... But she kept saying, I am here to shoot. And she and she kept shooting. And I remember after the Wings game, she had a, a decent game against the Wings. I think she had like 17 points. And she had struggled against them before. She had only scored like four points against them in the previous two games. So in that first round, remember I asked her, I said, what how are you keep like what's motivating you to keep shooting and she's like because i know i'm gonna start making shots soon and that's what she said she said i guarantee you next game i won't shoot this poorly and i, I think she was right you know what separates washington from new york not just on the occasion of their playoff matchup most recently but it's the fact that they have several players who can just drop 25 30 points on you if necessary and the end of the day, for all of Tina Charles' greatness, the Liberty really have lacked that. Uh, they've lacked that key second player who is a top 15, top 20, top 30 offensive player in the league. 
And it really does create matchup difficulties, even for the Lynch, the, the team that would seem to have the most difficult time uh, to, to match up against. Well, suddenly Washington is asking those questions rather than being forced to answer them. Yes, there's how do you match up with Sylvia Fowles, but you have Crystal Thomas potentially able to do it. Who exactly comes out and guards both Misamin and Elena Deladon? And it's a really hard question for not just Minnesota, but for anyone to answer. I, all of that said, I just think Minnesota with Brunson healthy, with Whalen healthy, with that team at full strength is a very difficult matchup for anyone. But what do you think? What, you, do you see Washington uh, winning a couple of games in the series, sending it back to Minnesota? What, what's your gut feeling as to how this plays out? It's so hard to say because the links that we, I mean, the um, Mystics that we've seen the past couple of games, like you said, they're the team that I think everyone was expecting and hoping for all year. Uh, but how long can this last? I do think they're going to take at least one game. One game. I don't think it's going to be a straight wash. I think, honestly, we don't know how healthy Lindsay Whalen is. I know everyone's saying she's good and she's fine. And, I mean, of course, I mean, a subpar Lindsay Whalen is best than, better than most people can ever imagine. But I do wonder how she's going to come back healthy because they'll probably put Pratt on her and will yeah. really challenge her. Um, and, you know, Deladon has struggled against Maya Moore. Maya Moore typically gets <laughs> the upper hand in that uh, battle. But I don't know. The Mystics are really feeling it right now. Yeah, yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me. I will say on Whalen, the as long as she is physically okay, you know, this has been her team for years and years no one is smarter on the basketball court than Lindsay Well and just that combination of things. And she's even played with these uh, teammates for most of the year. I think it's a different sort of figuring out for her and, and a less steep incline than even, quite frankly, what Washington had to do collectively this year. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. Starting Tuesday night, I'm sure curious to see what Minnesota's up to after the layoff and what Cheryl has uh, with a, you know, a couple of days uh, to steam for him. I'm sure she's uh, done so for every possible opponent and is more than ready. So Tuesday night, that's going to be fascinating in Minnesota. And, of course, uh, Sunday is game three back in Washington. So let's move on, if we can, from uh, that one semifinal to the other semifinal, uh, which features the Los Angeles Sparks. Uh, game one will be in L.A., and they're going to be facing the Phoenix Mercury, a couple of decent players, and Brittany Griner and Diana Tarazi, and uh, some other really significant contributors to a team with a lot of turnover. I, I want to start, uh, Ben Dahl, with you and L.A. What you think, coming off of the uh, layoff, what are you most anxious to see L.A. do in Game 1? I don't, I don't know that I'd say I'd be anxious about anything. I mean, I think the Sparks were playing so well at the end of the regular season. I, If anything, I would just say the ripple effect if Tarasi were to get hot. And, you know, we saw the perfect example of that with the Christy Tolliver game and, like, how that, that ripple effect can really hurt a defense because then, you know, you're freaking out if somebody gets hot and you got to scramble that player. Right. Um but, I mean, just offensively especially. Um, well, can I ask you about that? Can I, before you jump off of that topic, Griner, 
what can we talk about in terms of how L.A. is going to be uh, functioning on Griner defensively? Because she has been winning a lot of games down the stretch almost by herself. Look, she is the WNBA scoring champ. Yeah, I mean, I think watching, I mean, especially in person, watching NECA um, guard, I mean, Griner fouls in person, um, it's really it's really fun to watch because I mean she those players have a couple inches on her but just the fact that she holds her ground she's got great hands but I mean the Sparks can double big to big so if Candace Parker comes over too and I mean from there they just got to rotate out of that um, you know Griner's tall enough where she can make every pass but if she doesn't make it right away you can I think you know as a defense you can kind of see where it's going. If anything, what's been particularly great about, and, and she's more than doubled her assist percentage this year relative to her career marks, it's because she has been doing it as quickly as she has. But you're right, L.A. has the rare personnel that can bother her up high, which is not typical uh, when you're guarding a six foot, uh, six foot eight, six foot nine center. For L.A. on the offensive end, though, do you think that there's a need to get far enough ahead that, like you said, Diana Tarazi cannot bend the game to her will. And, and I, I couldn't help but think of it as I was watching that Connecticut game when that 17-point lead was evaporating, just thinking all you do is give Diana Tarazi a chance to affect a game late, and she's going to take it. She, she just always manages to do it. Uh, and actually, th- this would probably be a good question for Brendan. Brendan, do, do you think ultimately that Diana Taurasi still has the capability of winning multiple games in a playoff series by herself? I think what you're saying is is right. The way that she's going to do it is by affecting the game late. I don't think she's the kind of player at this point that's going to play 38 minutes and, and control the game from the starting tip. Mm-hmm. But I think the way that, that Phoenix has been playing this year, where they are funneling everything, and I mean everything, through Griner and letting Tarasi pick her spots, I think that version of the Mercury offense can be something that Diana can benefit from. But I think if you're asking her if Griner were to get in foul trouble or get, you know, heaven forbid, hurt again like she was earlier in the season, I don't think that they would have a fighting chance at that point, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting. Everyone has wondered for years, when will we get to the point that Phoenix funnels everything through Griner. And it's been, I talked to Sandy Brandello about this earlier this year, uh, and to BG as well. And it's interesting to hear that it really had to be a process and she had to come to it on her own. But just to see it happen in that way, it's, it's a big jump even from last year. Because last year, Diana Taurasi was averaging more three-point attempts per game than Brittany Griner was averaging shot attempts per game. And it just... Uh, you know, it got them to the playoffs, but it was hard to imagine it as sustainable. So, just Ben, ba- back to you and, and back to the Sparks. Do you think that there's any flaw in their game right now? And I ask that as looking at them down the stretch, you know, not only uh, to beat the Lynx, but to really, it seemed like, had an answer for everything uh, that anyone could throw at them uh, just schematically. Uh, late in the season. No, I don't think that I wouldn't say there's a flaw. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. And I'd say the same for Minnesota. I mean, with LA, I mean, your biggest hope is you would hope that they would bog down a little bit on offense to where the ball isn't going side to side. Um, 
And of course, if you can get you know Candace Parker, Nick Agumake in foul trouble, and that's that brings the conversation back to Griner. You know, um, I mean, really, that's I think that's the big thing to me because both of those players for LA, they're in the prime of their career. They can play big minutes, and Agler's not afraid to do it. So if if Griner can get one of them out of the game early, I think that's I think that's the closest thing you would say is to <laughs> to like a flaw or just like. <laughs> You know, mark mark one of like what what Phoenix would want to accomplish early in a game. And that that's asking a lot of any player. I mean, even Brittany Griner, that's going to be a difficult thing. I I do also want to touch on uh, because there's sort of two parts to it. I, I want to talk about the greatness of Chelsea Gray's season. So, for all the conversation that there is about about Neca uh, and about Candace, and rightfully so, and Elena Beard uh, just. I could watch her play defense basically for the rest of my life and be uh, very happy uh, doing it. Chelsea Gray led this team in minutes per game. Uh, She battled health injuries earlier in her career. She played every single game this year. And she not only ran the offense, she ran the offense while shooting 48% from three. Can you talk to me, though, about what it is to see her on the court, just the physicality of Chelsea Gray and the way her ability to be bigger and stronger and faster than other point guards makes this LA offense go. Well, that's good that you mentioned the minutes too. I mean, that's I mean, I think she's top five in the league too, and that's something that's just it maybe doesn't draw as much praise in general as it should for pro players at any level. But yeah, I mean, there's just like there's no. It's it's strange to say this like this is her first full year as a starter, but I, there's not really a hole in her game. You know, if you go under, if you go under, she's gonna kill you. Um, if someone slower is on her, she can get by them. She'll you know she'll take a ball screen and get to the rim, um, and she can take people down in the post. And I think that's you know like the, when we see we see something happen in a regular season of the game, it's like oh you know why don't they do that more and. I think the general answer is, you know, teams just want to keep a flow going. But when things slow down in the playoffs, you know, I think Chelsea Gray's at the core of, you know, LA has a lot of stuff that they can do with her and just kind of pick at matchups, which obviously they can do with their whole team, and that's why they won a title. But you know, like Le- you know, Leilani Mitchell, if she gets stuck on Chelsea Gray, she can take her down the post and she can score on her. Yeah. If yeah. she gets a big switched out on her, she can ISO him, and the clock's ticking down. And I mean. She's been money everywhere on the court. If she has to, if she has to go to a step back, you know she's hitting those shots too. It's really remarkable, and Leilani Mitchell's been excellent for Phoenix this year. But that that just feels like it's asking too much. Do you, do you both feel that way? I just Brendan will go you first. Do you see this getting to a game five back in LA? I mean, I think you always side with talent over everything, and. LA clearly has more, but just the way that Griner's been playing and the way the game plan's been working for her, I see it as, like, there's a route to a Game 5. I don't know. I think the two, obviously the first two games are going to decide a lot, but if Griner can get going and if, you know, foul trouble is such a silly thing to talk about. It's kind of boring as a thing to decide a series, but so much is going to come down to it as it did in the first two games. If If that's going Phoenix's way, I think maybe. Listen, if the technical foul that ended Ariel Powers' season uh, can be called, then just about anything can be called, and I guess all, <laughs> all fouls are on the table. Ben, what about you? You think you're going to go cover a game four, 
or you think this is going to be a sweep and then we're on to the finals? Um, I guess if I had to make a prediction, I'd say Sparks in four. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, just the two teams at the top, I, you know, we're t- you know, the question's been around all year, are we going to see a finals rematch? And I guess I've just never thought of that as a bad thing and just how well those two teams are playing. I, I just don't, you know, I don't see anyone really getting in their way. I want to say this on Tarasi, though. I should have jumped in earlier, though. Um, especially, up, and this is, I want to kick this to all of you, but, like, this whole thing about, like, you know, Tarasi's, she's getting up there, she's getting older, and, like, that she was saving herself. I know, like, the game she rested, I get that some people did dislike that more than others. But this whole idea of, like, you know, if someone's going to pace themselves, and you know, I don't understand why that's such a bad thing because... You know, if she's if she's taking more threes, she's still making them. If she doesn't drive to the basket, you know, Brittany Griner's doing her thing. And I just, I think that's just such a strange thing for that to exist because that, it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a black mark against someone. If, if someone wants to call it coasting, that's fine. But I think that's more on those people as just a bad word choice. It's really weird. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And you think about it, it's worked so well in the NBA. And by the way, it's not like she played half the season it's not like she played uh, a smaller uh, small minutes load she averaged 28 and a half minutes per game she played in 31 games and by virtue of taking care of her body in the way that she now knows how to do it she shot 38.4 percent from three I mean it, it was clearly something that was really effective for her not just in the postseason but the regular season as well and I guess maybe it's easier to find fault because the season is only 34 games number one and number two because there is an element even now with the WNBA of look we're still trying to sell the league and so in a way that perhaps the NBA is viewed as more established it's no Diana Trazi better be out there for every single game because there's some kid who hasn't seen her play before and I'm, I'm sensitive to that in the way that you hear that with the NBA players but my goodness these are finely tuned athletes uh, I, I think it is the right way to handle it. I, Lindsay, what do you think? Do you, do you agree about the, the issue of rest with Diana Taurasi and just in general? I think whatever we have to do to get Diana Taurasi to keep playing, and especially here at the end of the season, like, yes. I'm all for. Like, I would really like a healthy Diana Taurasi in the playoffs. I mean, look, it just, I, I think it's really underrated in a, a story, especially here in the playoffs. It's just how much basketball these women play all year yes. long. I mean, I was thinking, I was talking to another Mystics reporter about, you know, we're trying to figure out kind of what's been going on with Maceman. Like, she's been roughed up a lot under the basket recently. She got a really big blow in uh, the last, I think it was the last game against the Wings, where she was bleeding and her nose was hurt. And, and, you know, I I just don't think she's been fully comfortable since then because it was just got so physical. But I was also thinking, look, she went from straight from winning her championship in, I think, her Turkish team. And then she went to, she came back here to the Mystics for a couple of weeks, then went to Belgium, got a bronze in the Euros, then came right back here. And now she's in the playoffs. Like, that's just a ridiculous load. I mean, she didn't get into, you know, the preseason. She didn't get here until... I think two days before the first game. So, like... I, I mean, what about Kayla McBride, who came, I think it was less than 24 hours... Right. ...from yeah. Turkey, and then she's... And, and demanded to be in the starting lineup. Of course, they were happy to have her in San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. 
no, it's, 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 it's just, it's unreal. And I mean, that's a look, that's, a thing that the Lynx have going for them is most of their starting five did not play overseas Very true. <laughs> this, Very true. this year. And that can't, you can't really kind of overstate that either. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, th- I, I have no problem with sitting to Rossi. And Brendan, what about you? You, you see her up close. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I would, I can speak to is it is like just such a, culture change with the Mercury this year, as you were talking about before, with Griner taking on such a heavier burden, I think that it is part of it. Brondello does a great job of um, only one of them is on the court for most of the second and third quarters. Um, she does a good job balancing their minutes between Tarasi and Griner, so it's really just been something that she doesn't have to do. She's not in a position to be shouldering such a heavy burden anymore, and that benefits her just as much as you know, resting games and and whatever. I don't. I think it's a function of what the team is at this point, just as much as it is what she is as a player or her relative health compared to earlier in her career. I think, yeah, I think we all agree it's sort of overblown. I'm glad that we all agree about that, and especially because when you look at what she's able to do late in the game, and I, I do wish. I mean, I, I have a wish list a mile long when it comes to advanced stats for this league that I'd love to be able to see. But I'd love to know how she has shot in her career in close games in the final three minutes because she's got to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 90% from three. I've just never seen anything like it anecdotally. And so I'm certainly not going to question uh, how somebody who manages to do that, who's won everywhere she's gone, uh, takes care of her, her body late in her career. I just, I, I know we're lucky to see her, and it'll be interesting, uh, quite frankly, to see how she's defended. Well, final thoughts uh, from uh, each of us. Uh, I, let's start with Lindsay. Just overall, what, uh, if anything, we've missed that you're most excited about when it comes to the semifinals ahead? You know, I'm just excited to see if this if this confidence and this leadership that we're seeing from Tolliver continues. It's been... Like I said, this is why uh, Tebow brought her in. It was specifically because there was no playoff winning experience on the Mystics roster. <laughs> uh, zero. Um, of course, D- Deladon has some, but I mean, Tolliver's won a championship. And like I said, I've been I've been harsh on her this year, and I think that you know during the regular season there were a lot of struggles, but she really, really is stepping up now after the wings game every player i talked to said that it was tolliver's leadership it was tolliver like talking them through this playoff run that she was the one that she really stepped up and honestly they hadn't been talking about tolliver like that all year like you know i i've been hearing about a lot of other leaders and look i'm just i'm wondering if that's the x factor that's going to take and if this is just going to continue to take a really special trajectory you know, I, I, I didn't end up using it uh, because of, I was writing a column about uh, Elena Deladon's return, uh, but I spoke at length uh, to Christy that night, and she was so calm and so certain that they were going to figure it out in time for the playoffs that there was just an element of it that didn't shock me, even though, like you, I was watching. It wasn't just that she was missing threes. It was the the falling away from the basket. It was happening with a ton of time left on the shot clock. It was, it, you know, really made you wonder, you know, what's going on here? Because she, she's such an intelligent player that uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't have thought that that process made a lot of sense. But 
again, is one of the many reasons why she is a professional basketball player, and I am not, because clearly... One more quick note is that you guys uh, were talking about minutes, and it made me curious. None of the Mystics have been used a whole lot this year. Hmm. Um, The Deladon is 17th in the league in minutes, (laughs) and she's the highest Mystic, and that's really interesting. Um, You know, Tiana Hawkins, Natasha Cloud... These are big names. These are really good players that are, are carrying a lot of minutes. Um, and, and I'm going to be curious if that rotation really comes in handy. That is interesting. And it's, again, it's Mike Tebow, uh, one of the great geniuses in coaching, quite frankly, uh, with his eyes on the prize. I want to be happy in my life the way Mike Tebow was happy following the Liberty game. If you watched him at the post game, we, we streamed it uh, over at the summit. I have never seen anyone like Christmas morning giddy the way Mike Tebow was. And that was sort of the best indication that we might have that he thinks he's onto something and that there might be big things ahead for the Mystics. But we'll, we're about to find out. Uh, Brandon, I've been in a lot of pressers yeah. with him this year, and giddy is not a word I would use. No, <laughs> no that, that really stood out in, <laughs> as much because of it being my Tebow as anything else. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, Brendan, take me through anything you think we have missed, uh, things you're most excited about seeing here in the semis. I'd say from the Mercury's point of view, I think we talked about a lot of role players for the other teams. I'm interested to see. I mean, they've been impacting games for the Mercury just as much as any other team from, uh, you know, Von Turner in the first game to, like you said earlier, Leilani Mitchell really throughout the entire season. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what they can do. Mo, Mo Curry is a tremendous scorer. She picked up a lot of the slack when Griner was out earlier in the season. She's had a really good year with the Mercury, kind of fits seamlessly into what they did on offense. So I think that something we might be underselling is what those players can do for the Mercury. I think, um, obviously, Griner and Tarasi take so much of the attention um, on that team, but they're you know, responsible for the success just as much this year. They've had a really good showing from a lot of the players and maybe weren't expected to do that. Um, and then, you know, Danielle Robinson, I don't know what they can expect from her, but if you're looking for a wild card, sort of like what Lindsay was talking about, maybe there is something left in her tank on offense that could really jolt the team in a different direction. But, um, you know, who knows if five games is enough to see that out. But it, it would be definitely interesting. And, and adds a change of pace to be sure. So I, I look forward to seeing what we can see from her as well. Uh, ben, I, it's so hard because I, I, I've run into this all year writing about the Sparks. It seems as if they have every base covered. Is there anything that you think we've missed that Phoenix can go after? Or you think this is really just, as long as L.A. does... What it has been doing and is supposed to do, there's really not much to be done about. I mean, if, if the strategy really does come down to Brittany Griner has to get two f- former MVPs, you know, including the reigning MVP, uh, into foul trouble, is there really an answer? I mean, it's... I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, why, that's why we have to, we have to watch. I, I just... Phoenix just, I mean, LA, LA and Minnesota are just, they're so, they're so far above the pack, especially because of what they do defensively. And I think, you know, the smarts of LA as a group, you know, whether they're playing seven, eight people, whatever it is, I mean, I, I would, 
assume Raquan, we might see Raquana Williams, but there hasn't been a an update on her in like a month. Right. Um, but I think I think Phoenix, it's just it's going to be a struggle. Um, you know, if if Griner does get going, because then what you know what happens when she has to give it up in that Connecticut game? Camille Little wasn't going to shoot the ball, and you know Brondello calling her a stretch a stretch big. It's great, and she's made some shots. But then if she's not going to shoot the ball, then you know who's that who's that fifth player they're going to put on the floor? I mean, because you, you have to guard LA on the other end, and I think that's just me tough, but. That 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 is the biggest need for uh, uh, for that team this off season. There's no question in my mind. Uh, I agree with you. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I don't want it to be the off season yet, and uh, it'll be finals time here before you know it. I want to thank all three of you for joining me for this momentous step forward in my understanding of technology and our listeners' understanding of the WNBA. Uh, just a reminder to our listeners, you can follow us on Twitter, at Summit Hoops, two Ts in honor of Pat. Go ahead and like us on Facebook. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Uh, I'm Howard Magdal, wishing you a wonderful night.